You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What's up, my man? Chilling, bro. Chilling. I'm sorry, bro. I had rushed home from work. Work ran over, and then um, it was like five. When I got home, so I only had ten minutes to <coughs> ten minutes to get everything ready before uh, coming on the air, man. So I'm sorry about that. I apologize. It happens. Yeah, but you good, bro? How you doing? I've been doing pretty good today, man. I. Uh... I've just been today. I mean, this is the first time I've done this in a while, but I've actually been reading news on DC and seeing everything that's being talked about with the uh, the Flash movie, the Batman movie, and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and I gotta say, it's such an amazing feeling to yeah. uh, to be excited about DC products coming out and. and right. And, and we're going to touch on Marvel today because I know there's probably some people out there at this point thinking we're DC homers, but that because that's all we've ever talked about. Yeah. Um, but my response to that would be, you know, what more can we honestly say about Marvel? Like they've <clears throat> al- they've already reached that level, uh, that pinnacle of success. You know, everybody already kind of knows. You know, the hype for Marvel's always been there. Yeah. Uh, but DC, on the other hand, has gone through a bit of a rough patch, putting it very mildly. Uh, so to have these projects coming out that have, you know, revamped type, uh, it's just awesome. Yeah. And that, that's true. I agree with that, man. I think, to, I think like this month is actually going to be the first time because. Like you said, there's nothing much you can say about Marvel or the MCU because they haven't had any controversy. There hasn't been any any divisiveness. There's no underground shade that was done by the directors of the studio. You know, all that pretty much runs smoothly. There was no conflict of vision um, at Marvel, you know, so I mean... Maybe besides the Ant-Man deal, but that's neither here nor there because it, it, it has to fit into the frame of the MCU. And so, you know, we don't hear drama and news about that. And so now that DC has gotten back on track, I think this is going to be the first month in a while where we've where we're actually so at peace about DC. Like we're not up having outside off the air conversations about DC and how much, you know, 
how how much went wrong and how mad we are and stuff. I think this is the first month in a while that we're actually not going to have to have those kinds of conversations. Well, you know, it was either on a podcast or a phone call we have where I straight up told you because I was reacting to all the layoffs at the comic portion of DC. Yeah. And I, and I told you, I said, bro, this is the worst I've ever felt because forget the DCU. I'm legitimately concerned about DC's future, not as a cinematic universe, but as a brand. Yeah. Like, what is, like, what's going to happen to it? Because it was just everywhere I looked, all I saw was dysfunction. Like, right. That's all I saw. It was ran, you know, like the New York Knicks, damn near. Just, just so much dysfunction everywhere. Where it's like the right hand don't know what the left hand's doing. Right. Um, and now, you know, I still have concerns if people are going to be able to keep up with the continuity of, you know, what DC's trying to do. Personally, I think it's awesome that yeah. they're go- that they're going this big because I thought to myself. You know, DC, if you're going to be in the cinematic universe realm, you got to bring something to the table that Marvel's not. You can't be carbon copying everything they're doing. Yeah. Uh, So you got to do something different. You got to do something. Damn it. Hold on. All right. I had the hiccups. Ugh. Uh, But yeah, you can't be out there just copying everything and doing everything Marvel's doing, people are going to see right through that. Right. You know, and, and that was, you know, we had that conversation one time where I told you it was a fool's errand to try and make, to actually think you were ever going to compete with Marvel. And uh, the whole point I was trying to make there was just, you know, well, I mean, let's use smartphones as an example. Mm. You know, who, who was the first major company to get to put out a smartphone that everybody wanted it was apple with the iphone and right. then, and yeah samsung has the galaxy and there's other companies who have since uh made smartphones but yeah. they were all seen and they were all compared to the iphone because the iphone is just something about being the first the first right. to the part there's going to be that comparison uh, right, and you and I have discussed that we don't like it. Don't like that because, like you say, you like to see people do their own thing and see if they're good at doing their own. Like, stay in your own lane. Yeah, you know, don't don't come over into Marvel's lane because they're going to run you over. Right. Um, and DC tried that; they failed epically. <clears throat> um, but now, I mean, I, I got to tell you, man, with everything I'm reading, I'm feeling like DC's learning its lesson. Yeah, and I feel that, too. I I share the sentiment that Drake stated in, um, in um, um, I forgot what song. It was off Nothing Was the Same, but he said, it's not about who did it first. It's about who did it uh, right now we can we can go outside that sentiment and i'll agree that it is about who does it first cuz you know you know that that makes a major impact but i will submit as well that it's also about who did it right and i would would say i said exactly yeah and so the mcu being the fact that they were first 
you know, anyone could be the first, but are you going to do it right? And they they did. They not only did it first, but they did it right. You know, and DC did neither of those things. Yeah, they didn't interfere with anybody's plan. They let their directors be directors, and it, they did their own thing. Oh yeah, and it, and like I said, I can't get over just how brilliant the MCU is, uh, and for all its success, there's so. And I understand that it all comes from a place of M- there's some MCU fans that are annoying as hell, uh, who are always just talking mad shit on DC, which you know th- those people are going to exist, and I understand that a lot of the MCU criticism comes from just wanting to get back at them. Like you, you, you want to get back at them, but the frustrating part for DC fans is we really haven't had anything to get back at them for. Yeah. And with, with the possible exception of Joker, but that was about it. Right. Outside, outside of that, you know, we had suicide squad. We had, uh, Shazam, we had Aquaman, and which you know, Aquaman wasn't terrible, but you know, it was okay, right? But it wasn't nothing to write home to mama about. Uh, but now, man, like I said, you know, we watched the that uh, I've done watch the trailer for the Batman God knows how many times, yeah. Like, I'm telling you, dude, that trailer every time I watch it. I get more and more excited. I just can't quit watching it for the damn life of me. Right. Um, I think I sent you that video that was so cool, The Dark Knight, but it's set to the tone of the Batman trailer. If that was sick. Straight flawless. Th- them starting off with Heath Ledger's laugh. Oh, my God. And let me say this real quick before we get into the discussion you wanted to have. All right. There's always going to be a debate about who was the best Joker, but I'll submit, even Mark Hamill, I don't think any Joker ever had a more bone-chilling laugh than Heath Ledger did. Like Every time that dude laughed, it sent a chill up my spine. I was like, oh my god, this guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and there's somebody who was like, he only got the Oscar because he died, and I submit Hell no. I think he would have gotten it if he would have been alive. He If he was alive, he darn well should have. Or I would have, like, straight up quit the Oscars for life. Would have been like, bro, come on now. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Stop playing. <laughs> now, now, you were wanting to talk today about something John Boyega had said. Yeah, we, yeah. Um. So just to cap off what you were saying, you know, we're in a great spot. You know, D.C. is on the rebound we're happy and i think we're gonna have a great time of peace now um up until dc releases movies and um and we'll see where it goes from there but um <clears throat> but i wanted to touch because today we're, we're we're going into uh you know the phase phase four of of marvel and possibly even a little bit of phase five as far as most anticipated or most closest MCU projects go. And then a a tad bit of Star Wars. You know, the big big reveal was um, today that The Mandalorian season two has been announced and it will be um, it will be dropped sometime in October. I think October 30th, if I'm not mistaken. I might have got it wrong. But, um, you know, so that's awesome. I'm very excited for that. Enjoy Mandalorian season two. 
Star Wars, Star Wars on Disney Plus is is you know one hundred for one hundred. You know, Clone Wars season seven. You know, they got all the Clone Wars on there, and then the Mandalorian, two amazing back to back Star Wars shows. Can't argue with that. Um, <clears throat> it's and I'm I'm gonna say this plainly because you know Star Wars is a very sensitive subject for so many people because you know so many people from all walks of life love this franchise and you know star wars gets so heated and passionate to the point where it's almost like politics you know what i'm saying you whatever another star wars fan says if it doesn't line up with your certain view on star wars you just have to be like okay that's fine i respect it you know like like the argument used to be the big debate used to be that and I'm just speaking in pure terms of like, you know, people enjoying what they grew up with, you know, because I'm not going to argue with an original an OG trilogy fan who grew up on the OG trilogy as it pertains to the prequels. Full well knowing that my stance is that the prequels and the originals are one big story and I enjoy them as that regardless. Um, so that it used to be that argument, prequels versus OGs and all that. But now, through the lens of the Clone Wars and through the lens of George Lucas's absent, Dave Filoni stepping up and being that figure for Star Wars, um, you know, everyone in the fandom is seeing that, oh, wow, you know, the prequels are much more respected and loved and appreciated. The OGs are always going to be loved, respected and appreciated and cherished. Um but almost everyone in this fandom, this isn't something political. This isn't heated. When everyone, almost everyone in this fandom, minus the people who are like, well, you know, it's always going to be Star Wars for a new generation, will agree that the sequel trilogy is, you know, it was, it was, whew, it was bad. And... What? Uh, not, go, go, not, go, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say not bad as in like, you know, the normal ways people critique movies like, oh, it was bad, this and bad, that. you know, oh, this, this sucks. Such and, no, not that way. But in a way that like, you know, yeah, we're glad that you bought Star Wars back again to the forefront after in its absence since 2005. We're thankful for that. But at the same time, so many people saw so much potential of what could have been done, but it wasn't. And now that the trilogy is complete, you know, <clears throat> people are just having to sit with that. You know, I'm not going to say that episode seven was, was bad. You know, do I think that it was more there? Absolutely. You know, do I think that some things could have been done better? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I'm not coming at it from a I'm a filmmaker standpoint. I'm coming at it from a Star Wars standpoint, you know. <clears throat> and, you know, say, people can say what they want about episode seven. You know, if that's what they wanted to do to start it out. I have no argument with that. That's cool. Um, my only gripe is the ending battle scene, and I'll get to that later. Then we go into episode eight, and, you know, we can't say that the Jedi is good or that it's awesome just for the sake of it being divisive. You know, just because the film is divisive or does something shocking 
does not make it a good movie. And I'll say that for this because, you know, and this is not attacking Ryan Johnson because I know a lot of people don't like I'm like, Ryan Johnson is an amazing director. But what he wanted to do within The Last Jedi is not something that works for Star Wars. This is just not that kind of franchise. You don't do that in Star Wars because it doesn't work. And so we saw that. And it left a whole bunch of questions like, hold on, you just messed up the next director who's going to do episode nine. You just messed up all that. And then J.J. Abrams comes in to fix it. And so overall, getting to the point where I pass it on to you, the whole the whole thing is that, you know, having John Boyega come out during the GQ issue magazine. And, you know, because he's been talking, he's been throwing shade at the sequel trilogy for a while and at Disney for a while. He's been doing this for the longest time. And it and it mirrors my exact thoughts that we had about the whole thing from the get go. I sat in the theater and watched The Force Awakens, you know, and after all the hype, yeah, we're hype. Star Wars, boom, on the screen. After all the hype dies down, we get to think about it logically. We get to sit there and be like, okay, now, where does this thing line up? per se. You know what I'm saying? And nothing did. Not for 2015, not for, you know, well, they had something with 2015 in The Force Awakens. You had something there, but it didn't pan out when Last Jedi came out. And then you just had to try to scrap and save it with Rise of Skywalker, which was a pretty good, almost pretty good save, I'll say. Better than not fixing it at all. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll just you know, when John Boyega says this and he's like, you know, they hired me as a diversity hire, they used me, had me thinking that I was going to be, you know, a big integral part of the whole thing, which they did. They marketed him as, you know, oh, we're going to have this new black Star Wars character. He's going to be bloody awesome. He's going to use a lightsaber. And then the way you did it, though, the way you used him, which he said in the interview, he felt like he was underutilized. He felt like they just like totally like pushed his character to the side, which I think they did in favor, oh, yeah. you know, but go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you, I, I ain't going to go too far. I'll, I'll let you get in on it. Go ahead. Let, let me ask you this question real quick. Overall, what letter grade would you give Disney's overall handling of Star Wars? TV and movies included? TV, everything. Everything. I'll give them an A minus. I'll give them an A minus. I was going to say B plus. B plus? I was going to say B plus. B plus, possibly A minus. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't want to let my disdain for the sequel trilogy overruled the fact that they gave me season seven of the Clone Wars, that they've come out with amazing comics. I'm going to say this real quick, though. Go ahead. And this might start an argument. Yeah. But I've I've actually really come to appreciate the sequel trilogy. And I know I've come on here a lot, and I've just relentlessly shit on it. But... Now, before I go any further, let, let me say this. Last Jedi is still horrible, in my opinion. It's still horrible. It is still not just a bad Star Wars movie. It's a bad movie. Yeah. There, there's so much about that film I absolutely hate. Um, you know, the, the, fr- from the whole 
women have to put men down message yeah. to just that anticlimactic finale. Like yeah. I, I'll yeah. never forget sitting in that theater thinking to myself, okay, I just sat through two and a half hours of bullshit, but at least now I get to watch Luke Skywalker run out there and just layeth the smackdown on the first order. That's what I thought I was about to get. Yeah. Nah. Nah. They couldn't even give us that. They couldn't mm. even give us that. And I left the theater like, what the, wh- what was that? Right. However, I'm going to say this. Yeah. I really love Force Awakens. I really think that that was a great start. Now, th- there's obviously things that, that I can nitpick. I can talk about Kylo. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I can talk about Kylo Ren not being as intimidating as a villain as I would have liked to have seen him, given how much he was hyped up at the beginning. Stopping the laser with the Force, that was a badass scene. Yeah. And then, come, and then for him to just get his ass whooped by Ray like he did, yeah. I was like... There's and no like explanation I, for that. Like I know. Uh, I got really aggravated with people talking about, well, he just got shot in the arm. And I said, well, that would be fine if he didn't just whoop Poe down. Yeah. Or Finn. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that, that, that didn't stop him from... I mean, it took him all of about 20 seconds to lay Finn out. And slice him like bread, you know? Yeah, yeah he, he sent that lightsaber right up his back. <clears throat> right up his back, yeah. Um. So, I mean, but I, I will say this, though. The visuals in the sequel trilogy are better than they were. Now, this isn't a fair comparison because of where technology is now <clears throat> was yeah. when the prequels and especially when the original trilogy was made. Right. But in my opinion, the sequels have better visuals than any of them. I mean, it's just some of these scenes are breathtaking. Um, now, The Rise of Skywalker... I argue with people over that film all the time because I think it was a great Star Wars movie. I thought it was amazing, mostly because it gave me everything I wanted from that film. Because I'm not picky when it comes to Star Wars. I just want to see, you know, when I heard Palpatine was going to be in it, I know a lot of people were pissed off about that because they were like, well, come on. Right. But I kind of took that as, y'all, they're trying to make y'all happy. Like, what do you actually want? Like, what what do you want at this point? I mean, come on. Right. Uh, but they brought back Palpatine, and I'm like, I just want to see Palpatine just fuck shit up. And yeah. I got that. I yeah. got that. When I'll never, my favorite scene of that whole film is whenever the resist, like, uh, Lando Calrissian brings in backup and there's this whole oh hell yeah the good guys are here now we gotta fight Avengers Endgame Star Wars type like oh yeah it was it was cheesy to me but it was still visually pleasing go ahead and then you know you get that and then Palpatine's like I ain't scared and then just sends that lightning up and just everybody got it that was beautiful I I was like what the shit like yeah. scenes like that, there were a lot of great scenes uh, in the prequel or uh, in the sequel trilogy. Um, I mean, in my overall take, and this is where I know we'll disagree, but I would submit to people that Force Awakens 
and Rise of Skywalker are better than Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. However, I put Revenge of the Sith above all sequel trilogy movies. I'm not I'm not gonna get into a debate about that because I severely disagree. However however, I will say this for the sequel trilogy because we've talked about what John Boyega said and it's no secret that he was underutilized and things like that and, and the writing and things. So there's no there's no argument there. But you know, soon and I don't know when I'm going to have to sit back and rewatch the sequel trilogy to see how it all pans out. You know what I'm saying? Because so far, every Star Wars movie that's ever been done, meaning episodes one through six, had some sort of heart to it. It had a direction with where it was going. You know, it, it, it had something there for me. You know what I'm saying? Something that anchored everyone down in each and every film and each and every film one through six has something distinct about it whether you talk about the introduction of the sith and and the padawan and the jedi order and phantom menace you know that single mother dynamic with shmi and anakin and darth maul's intro you know or you can talk about you know seeing obi-wan's you know talk with luke about the clone wars in live action for the first time, seeing the Clone Wars fully come to life, the arena battle, you know, Anakin wielding two lightsabers, which now I'm finding out everyone had a major, like, screaming reaction when Anakin wielded two lightsabers in that Count Dooku battle. So I'm like, I'm just now finding that out. So that's cool. And then Revenge of the Sith, you know, and to me, I think that's a crown jewel Star Wars movie. It's my favorite of all of them. And so, you know, Rogue One, four, five, six. We don't have to sit here and talk about the OG trilogy. We know how awesome the OG trilogy is. So each of them just had something for me. And so, you know, of course I'm going to go watch it when if there's a sequel trilogy. But, you know, I need to be reassured which Kathleen Kennedy sat there in front of George Lucas and told him on camera hey, we know how important the legacy of Star Wars is. We know how hard you've worked to make each of these trilogies different and unique, but all in one to each other. We know how hard you've worked. And sits there and lies because everything that you've done in all three of the movies contradicts that. And you just made she just made a recent statement saying, we're going to go back and reevaluate what George wanted us to do with Star Wars, which I'm glad she's doing now, you know, and like I said, bro, I'm, I'm like you. I don't have a lot of complaints when it comes to Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? Just make sure that you're following George's legacy as he envisioned it. If you're going to do something new, do it right, you know, but they, they, they kind of sort of halfway did halfway didn't, you know, uh, John Boyega also expressed that, you know, they knew what they were doing with Ray's character. They knew what they were doing with Adam Driver's character, and they both knew that. But when it came to my character, you know, it was just like, psh, like, I'm just there. I have no direction. I was just marketed. John Boyega also said the same thing for Rose, for Rose Tico, who a lot of people hate 
God bless Kelly Marie Tran. I ooh, I'm so sorry that she went through what she did with that. Don't blame the actress. Blame the writers and the director. Never take it out <laughs> on the actress. She was Rose, doing the job. Yeah, Rose was terrible. There, well, I'm just gonna say that there is no defense for how bad Rose was. It was just indefensible. Her character to be that annoying, that for the whole film. And her and Finn, that storyline where they went to that place where they were gambling and everything, that storyline damn near put me to sleep. I yeah. mean, damn near. Yeah. Now, but, but, but here's where I push back in, in defense of the sequels. And I, I'll concede this about the prequels. In terms of respecting Georgia's vision and making a Star Wars film, sure, the prequels are better than the sequels because the sequels were coming out and they tried to do something different. Um, but w- when I say that the that uh, Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker were better, I'm a sucker for good acting performances. I love just seeing great acting. And from just an acting standpoint, the overall acting in uh, Phantom Menace and especially Attack of the Clones at times came across as corny as hell. Uh, especially the scene that that you defend religiously, which, I mean, me and, and that's your opinion, you're entitled to it, but I think it's one of the most cringe moments in cinema history. The I don't like sand speech, followed by him talking about where, where Anakin just goes simp overload. Like Anakin turned into a simp god. I'm in agony. Love me, Padme. I'm like, Jesus well, Christ. I would defend that all day. I'm thinking, like, I had no idea Vader was a simp. I can never look at him the same way again. Vader was like, a simp. Every man has been a simp. Vader was a simp. He was, but to that extent, though, where you're literally on your knees crying over this girl. Like, what? bro, Look, where, where is your pride, man? Understand this. Understand this about Anakin Skywalker. He's a simp. Anakin, look, look. Anakin grew up. In first of all, a single mother household. I'll say that. Bro, you're you're preaching to the choir on this. One. I'm not trying to preach to the choir. I'm just being real. Anakin was a very unstable and mentally unstable kid. I'm not going to deny that. So if his if his love for Padme comes across as a little psychotic, I mean, he did choke her at the end of the day and kill her. A little's ass. A little. Man, you're being too nice. Bro, Anakin was psychotic. When I look at Anakin today, I look at him as he had school shooting psychotic child. Like this man got taken from his home, and then you got Mace Windu staring down your throat, looking at you like, "Oh yeah, I see right through you, Yoda over here." Oh, I see right. God, like God dang, bro, I just got here. I don't get no love. Thank you, Anakin, for being here. We appreciate you for coming in. Nah. Nothing but sternness from the Jedi Order. Like, well, but sure, a- but not, none of that explains why Anakin was such a pussy talking to Padme. He would, bro. The I, man I, went I, for it. 
romance is awkward in real life. I don't know the if people know. Went for, the man went for, he might as well have wrote placemat on his back and laid down in front of Padme. That was cringe. That was cringe. He got the girl at the end of the day, though, didn't he? <laughs> I'm just shaking at you, bro. I got movies work. Anything can happen in a movie. That's true. That's true. But I that's, that's how you know it's fake. <laughs> I mean, but I the it, the reason why I look at cheesy moments because there are so many there are there are a lot of moments in Star Wars that a lot of people glad you acknowledge they're cheesy. And, and I'll say this too before you say what you're about to say. I'm not gonna stand here and act like the original trilogy didn't have, you know, bad acting in it too. I'm not going to stand here and act like the Oscars were lined up to give everybody in the original trilogy Oscars. Because they weren't. Um, But it's just scenes in the prequel trilogy, man. Like, God dang. That scene is just, it's hard to watch. It's so freaking hard to watch. Because they drag it out. And it's like, God, like this is supposed to be Lord Vader. And you're telling me that this is all frustration over a girl. I I mean, yeah, I mean, technically, yeah. But that <clears throat> I mean, that, among other things, that among, you know, knowing that your mother is in danger and then you find her dead, that, you know. And so, I mean, there's so much going on in the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones that would warrant those kind of reactions. And I mean, like I said, George wanted Hayden to play that character. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted from the performance. And that's what they, that's what they got. And like looking back at the prequels in retrospect, you know, that's, that's what it is. It doesn't hinder. It doesn't take for me, at least it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, the trilogy had direction. It doesn't take away from the fact that it still monumentally ended up concluding one of the greatest eras of Star Wars ever, you know, and transitions into the next greatest, um, you know, era ever. You know, it, it doesn't change any of that, you know, so it, it accomplishes... Oh, no, but, I mean, the, the two Joel Schumacher Batman films had direction. But I mean, I'm are we? I'm are we, believing that. <laughs> but are, are we going to stand here and say that? Oh no, those films were actually really, really good. Hell no, because even films that have creator vision, I mean, they can still suck. Right. Sometimes your vision sucks. Well, I don't believe that was the case with George, because now the prequels are more loved and appreciated than ever. Well, sure, because the I like the, the I don't like sand speech. Pay in terms of cringiness, it pales in comparison to Holdo's. You're a man who doesn't need to know what we're doing, like that. The, the cringiness is not even close, yeah. And and I, I'll give you that, yeah. And and that's the thing, man. Like, when I when I talk about these things from one through six, it's one solid story. If you go and watch a retrospective tribute on on YouTube about Star Wars, you'll still end up crying because they're going to take you from when Anakin was a boy to when Luke was born all the way to the end of Return of the Jedi. And it's just going to be this one big epic, you know, monumentous, you know, you know how Star, you know, you a Star, you know how I feel 
when when like your heart just gets flutters because you just saw something so you know how you know how that feeling is but like we had those feelings with the sequel trilogy as well i mean the force awakens when that trailer came out oh my goodness the the tears strolling down my eyes like oh my god i was so excited and then we get the rise of skywalker and i'm like i didn't envision this journey going this way you know because they had to sort of you know like i said you know and this is just my opinion. You know, if you love the sequel trilogies and you like them, I totally respect that. I'm not going to take that away from no one, especially for younger fans who are just now getting into Star Wars for the first time. And this is what they've got to grow up with. I'm not going to take that away from them at all. If they like it, fine. But for us OG and prequel fans who grew up on, you know, back when George was in charge, Sometimes it it for for not for everyone because you you accept it pretty much, but for though for a lot of people it, it took time to like just really like sit with it because like I mean you you let a a fully trained grown man dark lord get beat just for the sake of femininity, and then in the next movie our big villain that we were supposed to see not even see yet you say oh wait no he's not even going to be in the next movie he's chopped in half and then like that just leaves every and then on top of that more toxic femininity and all that we still don't know who ray is and at the end of the day you exhausted all your resources and then you're like you know what she's palpatine's kid that's that's how we're gonna fix this which was a brilliant idea brilliant thing that, that was about the smartest move they could have gone from there. Yes. I, th- I think everybody was expecting her to be related to Luke in some way. Because, yeah. it, I mean, the film's called Rise of Skywalker. But I thought to myself, no, they're not going to make it that obvious. Right. They're not about to make it that obvious. And personally, th- there's some people who get offended that at the end she calls herself Ray Skywalker. But, I mean, let me say this real quick. I mean, people understand that in the Star Wars universe, Palpatine is not a a last name that you want to say. No. That's not a a last name that you'd be particularly proud to say. No. Uh, So, I mean, I don't understand why people had such a big gripe with that. I thought it was a fitting end. It, Um, It wasn't a big deal to me. I thought that when she had her yellow lightsaber at the end, I'm like... Why that was you like good? That was sick, and her shooting out lightning. And like I said, my biggest, and, and this is why I love Rise of Skywalker so much, is because I feel like it fixed about ninety percent of what went wrong in the Last Jedi. It did because you know my biggest thing is like, okay, we still don't know who Ray is. Like, you're not about to tell me that this girl, who's been so overpowered the whole trilogy is no one from nowhere and her parents are no one. Like you're not about to tell me that and she's just powerful cuz she is. Like get out of here with that. Right. But, it, but it, go ahead, I'm sorry. But then in the last one they're like okay, fine. She's the granddaughter of Palpatine. And oh, I'm like, hey, "Bro, please." What? Uh when they said that when they said she's the daughter of Palpatine, I had this look on my face like, "Okay, so ever ever since 2015, since TFA came out, you know, since y'all done just decided to disregard everything that's Star Wars and just do what y'all wanted to do, knowing full well 
that any Jedi, male or female, has to train, make their own lightsaber, which you can read across various novels in Star Wars. And, you know, all of, like, that's common knowledge for anyone who's deep in the Star Wars. You know, and I'm like, all this stuff that you're doing in this last movie, you could have done in the first, in the second one, really. You know, uh, you know, you didn't want to use the word Sith. You didn't want to use the word, uh, you know, uh, text or, you know, the ancient Jedi text. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, those are things that Ray should have been into in the second movie, studying the Jedi text, training, you know, which she got none of from Luke, no thanks to him, to the writers, you know. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? The Sith have returned. It's pow- I'm like, really, bro? You trying to appeal to my inner prequel fans. Stop playing with me. Now you want to use the word Sith. Now you've been studying the Jedi text. Would you have rather them continued what they did in episode eight? Heck no. I'm so glad. I, yeah. <laughs> so thank them for doing that. I did. I, so, I thanked them on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. See, and I don't mind. I mean, me personally, everybody says what you just said. Like, it's a bad thing. Like, oh, now they're doing. I'm like, at least they did it. No, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm not expressing it in a bad way. I'm just like, you know, it was like a, a, oh, really kind of moment. Like, oh, that's how you feel. Like they, and then they added the the duel of fates, which some would argue is the most iconic theme song in Star Wars. You know, they they added that to a TV spot with Darth uh, Sidious, and I was like, okay, so now, okay. Now y'all talking my language. Y'all talking prequel language now. Okay, now we talking. And that draw me in. That pretty much guaranteed that I was going to go see the movie. And and like and like I said, I share your same sentiments, bro. You know, it takes a lot for you to admit that, okay, we messed up and we're going to turn around and fix this thing. You know, exactly. we, we just came off this, like, you know, I've been waiting on three years for an apology. I'm getting it now. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting it now from from a certain movie studio who I'm not going to name. But at least Disney did it the very next movie and was like, we sorry. You know, my bad prequel fans that we didn't acknowledge that era. Sorry, original trilogy fans for doing y'all's characters like that. Let's let's try to make something work at least. And that's that's exactly what they did. And that's why I give Disney a, a, a A minus because and. There's so many themes, like you said, it's it's the most visually glorifying Star Wars yet. It really is. There's so much. Yeah, there's so many scenes I can take from that that I love. So many moments from the sequel trilogy. Do I love them all? No, absolutely not. Am I gonna have my nitpicks? Yes. But hey, I'm thankful for y'all at least trying to fix it and, and doing something about it. But I do. At the same time, I do mirror John Boyega's feelings in that, you know, his character being underutilized was something that was wrong and that they had a potential to do a lot more than than what they did. And so, you know, I feel for John Boyega in that way. But other than that, you know, he looked at it as a good opportunity, Um, you know. I don't you know, I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I actually agree with you with what you're saying about Boyega because I think a lot of us thought from the from the trailers and how the first movie was playing out that it would be Finn who would be the Jedi character. Yeah. 
and would be the one to go head up with Kylo at the end. Because unlike Ray, at the beginning of The Force Awakens, Finn had a backstory. Yeah. Finn had, you know, motivation, reasons for why he's doing what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and hell, unlike Ray, he even had a personality. Yeah. That that I'm powerful for the sake of feminism crap. That that that's not how you make a strong female character, Disney. Well, no, and, and like you and I have talked about when we discuss characters like Ellen Ripley and other famous uh, female action heroes, you know, we always talk about their personality and like how much fun they are to watch. Yeah, never. You know, oh, they're awesome just because they're a woman. Yeah. They're, they're not a badass woman. They're a badass that happens to be a woman. Right. And so, yeah, but you know what? I think I might change my rating of Star Wars handling for Disney. I'm going to go ahead. I'm not going to give them an A+, plus, but I, I'll go ahead and give them an A. An A? I respect and, and Yeah. I would give them an A+. Plus. Now, their handling of Marvel has been A++ plus plus to the infinity. They graduated. They get the diploma and everything. No, they're the valedictorian for Marvel. Number one, I mean, damn. People can say whatever they want about the films being one tone or they're for kids and all that shit. But let me tell you something. Nobody can take away what the MCU accomplished, making superheroes truly for everyone and taking what 40 years ago was not viewed as a cash cow and viewed as a joke. Yeah. They took it and freaking put a monopoly on oh. what makes a billion dollars. On the whole game. Right. They, they flipped it on its head. And so, yeah. and I mean, God, and what's funny is everybody's shitting on the MCU. I bet you my last nickel, they're still in the theater watching them. They are. I mean, everybody's watching them. I mean, I don't, can, people can say you, you like them or not. I know you're watching them. Yeah. We're all watching them. Um, but yeah, like, I can't give them the A plus just because of The Last Jedi. But damn, did I love Rogue One. Oh, I think Rogue One, is, for me, is what gets them the A period, man. Oh. That, that and, th- and then you add The Mandalorian. And then, you know, you add The Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Mm. Just see where Disney took Star Wars. You can deny it- that, yeah. You can't deny, and that's what I'm telling you, man, about Disney. They do it in terms of making your brand big. Disney's on a league of their own, and the numbers reflect that. There has never been another company in terms of making a franchise relevant that's done it better than Disney. Yeah. And and what we can sit here and argue about, you know, like I said, about the one tones and everything else, but... Yeah. I mean, Disney's got stacks on stacks on stacks that they're dishing out to put all these characters on a whole nother level. Right. And I'm and 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 not and not only that, but using I mean, you know, we just we just had a whole combo on the sequel trilogy storyline, but the fact that they took time to dig deep into, you know, the video game realm, they took time to really flesh out more of um, you know, Anakin's life, Obi-Wan's life, Ahsoka, the fact that they took time to dig out and go around and fill in the, the spaces of the 
the continuity that like have fans wondering like I wonder what happened in between episode four and five what happened in between episode five and six you know or or two and three what happened when Anakin and Obi-Wan you know were just Padawan and Master before you know episode two you know exploring those different time periods that people want to know about that we don't see in the movies or the shows and the fact that they took so much time to dish that out in the comics and in novels, you know, doing a Padme book. I'm like, a Padme book? A whole book for Padme uh, covering her rule in the Senate, the political side? I'm like, genius. I'm like, genius. And I'm like, so I just have to give them a whole A, you know, the whole A just for the marketing and the handling of the characters and for, you know, not forgetting the people who also love these characters along the way. So I totally give them that. And that's why I was telling you on that one podcast, I would actually be doing cartwheels if I heard that Disney bought DC. I don't care what anyone says. I feel, and it's because Disney would do with DC what they've done with Marvel and Star Wars and just put it on a whole nother pedestal that it's never seen before. And people can say, oh, Disney wouldn't make a rated R. I beg to differ. I really be- I feel like they would. That family, feel- that family friendly brand ain't gonna cross that line, brother. I'm that sorry. will, dude. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. They might not advertise it as much as being a Disney film, but trust me, if Disney knew they could make a billion dollars off of it, they would. They would. They'd so they would do that shit in a heartbeat. That's that's true, but I mean, like I said, man, that would be a monopoly, and monopolies in business are illegal. You oh, I know. But and, I'm, I mean, yeah. And, and let's look at Warner Brothers' financials. Warner Brothers still has victories in other franchises that they carry. You know, so they're winning in other movies, but like in terms of you know the superhero genre, we can say that they're under Marvel. We can say that. You know what I'm saying? So in that category, they're losing, but it's not like they're not making bank on monster films or bank on other films that they have uh, slated. So it's not like they're about to fold like 20th Century Fox who can't do a Fantastic Four movie to save their lives. You know, it's not like they're about to fold, you know, like they messed up continuity like Fox did with, you know, um, the X-Men. But I mean, overall, Fox had a lot of different W's too and a lot of different wins, but I don't know if we're going to actually see those again. I don't, I don't know if Disney's going to make an Alien movie. I doubt that. Um, they took up quite a lot of the properties from Fox, but I mean, overall, Warner Brothers is not going to fold anytime soon. They still, you know, got major power to do something. It's just that in the superhero genre, they're having to catch up a little bit, and that's okay. That's okay. Well, all I'm saying is, I mean, nobody can deny where DC would be in relevancy under Disney. I mean, I I just can't see how Disney would fail in that area. I dread that so much, bro. I dread that so much. Well, I mean, take the monopoly out of it. Uh, Just take, take that aspect out of it. What is it exactly about Disney that rubs you the wrong way so much about them buying out DC. Because there's certain, and like I said, bro, you know, 
Disney can go places, you know what I'm saying? They went places in the MCU and Infinity War and Winter Soldier. You know, they they went to some places that are not necessarily dark or grim or that would cross rated our territory. No, but they've always just gotten to the perfect point of epic PG-13 action adventure. You know what I'm saying? And we've seen what, you know, we've seen what, because, you know, we've seen what an Avengers dynamic can do to the Justice League. We saw that already. Not interested in seeing that again. Um, DC is just a whole different stable of crazy. Their characters are a whole different stable that require a different tone, sometimes a darker tone, sometimes a, a more serious tone, sometimes, depending, maybe an even more balanced tone. But I'll tell you this much. Having, I mean, we're we're not gonna put Mickey Mouse ears on Batman. We're just not doing that. I don't I don't picture. You know, yeah, I can see Spider Man and Iron Man and and Black Widow walking around Disney Park. You know what I'm saying? Saying hey to the kids and Captain America making the kids smile and stuff, letting the whole feel. I can see that, but there's no way that I see a half naked Harley Quinn walking around with a giant hammer and a Joker with a diabolical murderous smile on his face you know, walking around Disney Park. There's no way I see Batman hanging off the top of Epcot, brooding as he sees the next people lining up in line to go to uh, Space Mountain. That's not happening. Damn, damn, I do, and that all sounds awesome. Oh, my God, it would be terrible. Bro. It just it just wouldn't. That's why I'm just glad just some would. things don't match up. Some things don't need to happen. and that's It just would. It in an argument. It broke. I can't tell you. I can't. There, there's nothing that I could do to convince you not to think that this would be a bad idea. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. The greatest DC project ever, the Dark Knight trilogy, the most successful, the best. Yeah. It, it was rated what? PG-13. PG-13, yeah. It wasn't rated R. I could easily see... Disney making a film like that. Oh, oh, oh. Easily. Blaspheme. So you telling me, so you telling me you'll sit there and watch The Dark Knight and and then, you know, hit the Disney theme. Nah, 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 nah. And then all of a sudden, The Dark Knight starts. How many Disney themes were played in the Marvel movies? How many Disney themes they play? I'm not sure. Not even. How many? How many? There's none. Oh, there's none. So how about ask me a real question instead of a hypothetical? Dude, it's not going to, bro. Disney owning DC would be the worst thing ever. How? They already have enough on their plate. They have. I'm I'm saying, though, imagine it's not a monopoly. Imagine that Marvel gets bought by someone else. Just imagine with me. Someone that's not Disney, for crying out loud. DC is embedded in Warner Brothers' blood since the beginning of time. I like, come on, man, let's be real. I don't see Warner Brothers folding and giving DC over, giving DC over to Disney. I, mean, I don't either. I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. I don't see them giving up superheroes because I think they know what they have. Um, I mean, I'm going to say this though: if by some freak accident, 
they find a way to screw up the Flash movie, or they find a way... God forbid, I don't see how it's possible with Matt Reeves at the helm, but if Warner Brothers sticks their finger in... Now, I could see that happening. That is one thing I could see happening, and that's the only way I see the Batman not being amazing. That's the only way, is if Warner Brothers sees something Matt Reeves is doing and says, no, that's too dark, we can't have that. They better not. I'm going to say, man, you know, I would like to say Warner Brothers learns from their mistakes, but, you know, after what went down in the 80s, when they kicked out Tim Burton because Batman Returns was too dark and they brought in Joel Schumacher and basically ruined the whole franchise, you would have thought that would have been the lesson learned. Yeah. Until, you know, recently in 2016, where they did the exact same thing. They just, oh my God. I just, I can't go back to a place like that. I just can't. They just what? they just gave James Gunn their word that they would not interfere with Suicide Squad. They would let it be what it is. You don't. Go ahead. Uh, Yo, even though, I mean, I said I'll believe it when I see it, because even though you and I. have, Yeah. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yo. Yo. You there? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Damn, I don't even remember. We were talking about... uh. If somehow I'll believe what you just said about they're going to let Suicide Squad be what it is. I'll believe that when I see it. I pray. But but, but you can understand why I feel this way. I I totally understand. I'm not even going to debate that. I totally understand why you feel this way. I'm not, I feel that way. I'm not even going to debate that because I I know how you feel. It's legit. (laughs) So, I mean, I'll believe it when I, and that's the one thing we, we can sit here and say whatever the hell we want about Disney and the Mickey Mouse ears and everything else in the world, but they trust their directors. Yeah. Disney trusts their directors. Warner Brothers, not so much. Yeah. Uh, if. And, Go ahead. I'm sorry. But I mean, I'll say this, you know, if. Suicide Squad and Sam and Flash and all these other films are left the hell alone and the director can just direct then yeah then I I'll, I'll I'm willing to forgive past transgressions yeah but just... I got to see it yeah all we can do is wait speaking of waiting uh, we've spent this whole first hour talking about, um, and I'll, uh, and we'll go in another 15, 20, 20 minutes maybe, but, um, you know, let's, let's get into, uh, the moat speaking of waiting, waiting on the Marvel Cinematic Universe's phase four. You know, we've talked 
DC fandom to death. We love fandom. We're in love with DC right now. We're patiently waiting for them. So let's talk about what phase four of Marvel may hold. Um, because as of right now, to my in my personal opinion, if Marvel, if the MCU were to end all together with Endgame, I would be perfectly satisfied and be like, that is a work of art. Hang that up on a wall. Let that be. You know what I'm saying? But of course, their slogan was that this was just the first 10 years. So I'm definitely interested in seeing what the next 10 years uh, holds for the MCU and where they plan to go because the first decade was absolutely bloody uh, epic, unlike anything we've ever seen. So um, I don't know if you have your list. I have a list up with some projects. Let's, um, which ones do you want to dig into that maybe uh, are your most, uh, ent- most hyped and anticipated? Well, for me personally, just because he's my favorite Marvel character, I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Because uh, I've heard a rumor that this is going to be the MCU's first attempt at the horror genre. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm interested to see, Disney, how dark are you willing to go? Yeah. Um, and this might be the film where we find that out now i do have this this one thing i was thinking about even though the mcu has been incredibly successful i don't know if because they're they're bringing in a lot of i mean with the exception of spider-man with the exception of him because he's still going to be a part of it um with the exception of him Basically, all of the tier one Marvel characters... Oh, and Thor. Spider-Man and Thor. Uh, But all the other characters are basically gone. You know, Iron Man, the the face of the franchise, is no longer in it. Uh, Captain America, you know, he's old now. He's no longer in it. I'm looking at this film. You got Black Widow, Wanda and Vision, Loki, Hawkeye. Uh, you know, you've got and then you've got all these tier two characters, yeah. and I'm concerned about you know are these t- tier two characters do their names have enough recognition to keep this train going, or is the MCU about to gas out? That that's an excellent question because, um. You know, part of the thing about being a Marvel fan in general for all the years that I've been is knowing that off of a broad scale, even though at the time it was only like Spider-Man and a select few others that were getting shine pre-MCU, the stable of characters that Marvel had were very well known among the fans and loved them like uh, so many people that are Marvel fans across the world have their whole list ready of rosters of characters waiting to see get put on the big screen in the MCU. Now, some of these are fit for Disney Plus series because, you know, I believe I believe there may be a little leeway 
you know, we talk about, you know, Miss Marvel. That sounds pretty cool. Hawkeye, of course. Moon Knight is a very deep and brutal character um, in the comics and in the Marvel Universe. Greatly loved and underrated. Um, so I'm, I'm looking to see how they're going to do that. Um, She-Hulk greatly loved and adored by Marvel fans. And like I said, this these are characters that are loved by Marvel fans in general, not the general audience of people that have gone to see the MCU. I don't know how that's going to carry over um, into it, but I do know for a fact that these projects here will carry a lot of weight because these are characters that a lot of Marvel fans have been waiting to see come to life for a very long time. So, you know, there's no doubt about that. Loki, fan favorite, of course. Um, uh, Falcon, and, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, definitely going to be fun. WandaVision, you know, I, I can sit with the fact that, you know, Thanos brutally killed Vision in Infinity War. I can sit with that. I can go to bed at night with that. You know what I'm saying? The fact that he just ripped his gem from his forehead and killed him even after, you know, rewinding time. That was some brutal stuff. That was about, I think that was the most brutal kill besides Loki in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, I mean, giving Wanda and Vision a whole new series, I think that'll kind of smooth what happened with that over. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We haven't heard the the Ten Rings since the Iron Man trilogy because that was who Tony was dealing with when he got kidnapped. It was the fake terrorist organization that Killian was hiding behind the whole time in Iron Man 3. So I'm sort of looking forward to seeing, you know, now you, you talk about really unknown, unknown, lesser known Marvel characters. That is Shang-Chi. Because I, exactly. I, I know nothing about Shang-Chi. I don't know who that is. <laughs> well, exactly. And like I'm saying, that's my concern. Like, And I'm, I'm just wondering. Like, I don't want to see it gas out because I love the MCU. But, you know, you keep talking about Marvel fans, Marvel fans, Marvel fans. And I'm like, yeah, obvious. I mean, it's a given. The yeah. comic book fans go see this film. Yeah. But my concern is with the general public when you have these characters that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. Like, do you think, like, because like, obviously at the beginning, you know, even the first Iron Man movie and the first couple of the Thor movies and even the, the first Hulk movie was damn near a flop. And, and these are, you know, staple characters in Marvel. These are tier one characters. Yeah. And they're, their first movies weren't very successful. Right. Um, it was like I said, it wasn't until the Avengers came out and they did that movie so well that the MCU really picked up steam. Yeah. But you've basically concluded that story. Yeah. Uh, the story that you've spent the last over a decade, you've done concluded that the Iron Man story is over. Um. So. I will say this. I mean, the MCU has done a great job of bringing lesser known characters into the spotlight, yeah. like the Guardians, um, and even like Black Panther to some extent. Um, but I just don't know if these characters are going to be able to 
continue the MCU. Yeah. I mean, we can hope and pray because as long as people love superheroes, you know, as long as the general audience is digging superheroes, then, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed that they are because they've seen what Marvel's done in the past. Worst case scenario, honest, brutal truth about this whole thing, especially about the MCU, is that prayerfully, you know, some something else, something else in the movie industry doesn't come along and, you know, take over the whole Hollywood trend. Like, you know, if some other form of genre or movie takes over the whole, you know, next 10 years, um, you know, everyone in the world is going to switch to that. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I don't think that's the case because I think we're living in a day and age in film now where almost every genre has a chance to shine. I mean, yeah, sure. The superhero genre is making so much money and it's been the most profitable, but it doesn't stop you know, other genres of film from succeeding as well. There have been so many other franchises and genres that have flourished as well, you know, under the process of, you know, rebooting and continuity, connecting old stories with new stories. You know, so I, I think that overall, um, I think that the bet that is the best case scenario is that the MCU is still going to continue to thrive because, you know, it's the MCU and people know what know what they can do. They're going to check it out. People who have not been invested, I pray because I look the thing about it. I can't force anyone to read comics, no matter how many times I wish, hope, and pray that people will just sit down, go to the bookstore, dig into the comics. If you don't know nothing, don't be in the not know, you know, go to, you know, online. They got the comics online for free. Almost all of them you can find. That's where I read mine at when I can't make it to the shop. And, you know, you can research so much behind these characters and find out the information for yourself about these characters, but no one likes to do that, you know? And, and, and here's the thing. The thing about the general audience, Evan, is that to to real hardcore fans, to real fans who actually love these characters, this isn't a trend. This isn't something that's stuck with them for 10 years and then it's just going to go away. You know what I'm saying? This is something that they're going to birth with, live with, and die with. You know what I'm saying? Pass, pass on to their kids and their kids are going to do the same thing. You know, this isn't that. This isn't some trend that, you know, you don't get to throw superheroes over to the side just because something cooler may come along, you know, which I think is hard to do that. You look at the MCU, you know, or anything, the whole landscape, DC or Marvel, who's going to throw superheroes to the side and be like, there's something cooler? Who? You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that we'll just have to wait and see on because I, I think that the, you know, like you said, you said this the best. You said Disney is good at blowing up brands and making brands big. You know, the same way that you said Star Wars was increased, because Star Wars was already big, but Disney not only multiplied it more, but then they bought it for the next generation in as well. They've done the same thing with Marvel. So there are a lot of little kids or a lot of now teenagers maybe you know, who 
and young adults even like myself who grew up with the whole MCU their whole life who are definitely not going to stop following it once they get older. They want to see the con- continuation. So I think that Disney has definitely exploded the Marvel brand up that much to the point where you got people invested for a good, good long time. I mean, Disney hasn't... I mean, people understand that. I mean, we talk about the MCU. It is the single biggest franchise ever. It is bigger than Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all of them. And and that's not even subjective, or subjective. That's objective. I mean, look at those box office numbers. It's not even close. I mean, what Disney did with the MCU, I, I don't think we'll ever see it again. No, I, I just don't see another franchise getting to this level where you can have your tier two characters raking in, you know, all this money and everybody wanting to see it because they know it's a part of this franchise. Yeah, I know what, though, mm. they, they stop playing if y'all if y'all got if they have the money in the budget. To do Moon Knight and Miss Marvel and She Hulk and What If, they can darn sure bring back Daredevil, Punisher, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. Because people was what it's it's like your mom coming in your room right and just turning off your TV and telling you to clean up your room or go watch or do something else. And you're like, I was watching that. That's what it felt like when 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 Disney pulled. Uh, Daredevil, Punisher, and Luke Cage and all the rest of the Netflix TV series. I'm like, I was watching that, bro. Turn it back on. I was watching that. Give it back. You Renew it again. You aren't the <laughs> one. I mean, every time a new season of any of those shows came out, it was number one on Netflix. It was. I mean, because it's a great series. And I tell you something, right. that right there is a prime example that you know, I mean, if they bring that back, that's Disney showing me they can go rated R. Yeah. And if they bring that back and Disney shows me that they can go rated R, then they can have DC too. Now, now, hold, now we'll have to get, now, you know how low we sunk and how low we felt during these three years of DC doing what they did and sinking to the lowest level. You know that, right? If somehow, by some god-awful chance, that DC sinks even lower than that, which is impossible, and brings us back to the same sad, crying conversations that we've had before about what should have been, could have been, should have been, would have been, if we go lower than that, Evan, and I'm just to the point where, like, I can't even deal with DC anymore. If we go to that point, which I doubt, you know, given the slate of films announced, Zach's JL, the Batman, the, everything, the state of fandom, like, changing the way that uh, Comic-Cons are had, you know, making history. I mean, if, if you, if, if would they go lower than what they did before, I'll be like, okay, get it out of Warner Brothers' hands because y'all fools sure don't know how to do nothing right. You know what I'm saying? If by some god-awful chance they sink lower than they did before, I'll be like, okay, Disney, where you at? Universal, where you at? 
you know, Paramount, where you at? I know you can manage this thing better than anybody. Disney, where you at? I w- Somebody to offer price to get it up out of Warner Brothers' hands. I won't even just put Disney on the table. I'll call Universal. Hey, Universal, I know y'all, y'all, you know, y'all did right with Mission Impossible. Hey, come take a look at these, these, see what you can do about this, right? No, no, no. Only Disney. Only Disney. We've never seen anybody else try anything at the superhero genre, so how can we totally discount everyone else who could? I'm going to put Disney on the list for sure. I've seen what Disney can do. It's not that I haven't seen what others can do. It's the fact that I have seen what Disney's done. I've seen it, and it is remarkable. It's amazing. It's spectacular. It's phenomenal. Um. I don't, um, unless, unless Disney manages to hire a whole nother branch to Disney just to handle DC, they have so much on their hands as far as um, Marvel and the next phase, next two or three phases is concerned. That's a lot. They haven't even bought any X-Men yet, which they said were going to be later on in a few years down the line, but not now. They're going to give X-Men time to rest before they bring it into the you. I'm not saying they can, but I am saying if anyone can, it's Disney. <sighs> Let's just pray we don't sink that low, bro. I'll Let's just pray. I think that's sinking low. That's an upgrade. No, I'm saying for DC. Let's pray that DC doesn't sink. Warner Brothers doesn't sink that low. Well, sure. I mean, but I'm just saying if they announce tomorrow for no specific reason that Disney has purchased DC from Warner Brothers, I'm going to be in my front yard doing cartwheels. I will go on hiatus from doing J House podcast radio if, in fact, tomorrow they said that. I would be like, you know what? I don't even want to talk to y'all anymore. I, don't, I need a break. I need a break. Well, what if Disney <laughs> announced we're keeping all the movies exactly as they were supposed to be. We're going to let Matt Reeves be Matt Reeves. We're going to let James Gunn be James Gunn. Everything's kept the same. If Disney is willing to do that, if they're willing to let the rated R line be crossed in any way, shape, or form, I'm talking about nudity, sex, cussing, violent, all that, crack in between. If they're willing to let it be that, I'm getting into my Shannon Sharp mode, old Shay Sharp. <laughs> if they're willing to do that, bro, I'll be like, all right, Disney. Well, I you. mean, uh, we keep talking about that, but as far as I know, Watchmen and uh, Joker are about the only real rated R films DC's ever had. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Did I forget? Heart. Batman v Superman was rated R too, but it was, it was. There's scales to ratings. Like there's a soft PG thirteen, and then there's a a hard PG thirteen. So it depends on where on um, what's in it and where they go. You know, Joker. That's a that's a hard R. You know, Watchmen. That's a hard R. Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition still could have been. That still could have been PG thirteen, I think, minus minus the the prison shanking and the the. But I think it, it it dealt more with the subject matter more than anything, you know. 
Batman saving prostitutes and the prostitutes being scared and, you know, um, a, a whole plethora of other things. I think it has more to do with because by that by that case, Man of Steel should have been rated R. I mean, a guy jumped up at an airplane and we saw the guy rip him into oblivion and we saw blood, guts and all. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, it was still PG-13. So I'm like, I, I don't know. It just depends on what you show and the way you... Well, the way you I think. just really hate this narrative that Disney's never gone hard in one of the MCU movies. Like they haven't gone dark. Because if I recall correctly, I watched Loki get his neck broke. That was a rated R scene. Like, so I, I don't want to hear this about, you know, Disney's not willing to, you know, put anything in their movies that might make little Timmy uncomfortable. No. Yeah. Disney showed me they can do that. There were some scenes in Civil War where I'm like, yeah, this is like little Timmy might not want to see this. Like watching that building blow up, people dying. I mean, the MCU, yeah, even though the heroes win in the end, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I trust this. I trust Disney with a franchise more than anybody else. Because I watched what they did with Marvel. You, you can take The Last Jedi. I mean, if you take The Last Jedi out, I mean, it's an A++ for what they did with Star Wars. And for them to, not just with that, but to make the Star Wars amusement park land that they got now, Galaxy's Edge. I mean, they made Star Wars huge. I mean, it was already huge, but they took it to the umpteenth level. Now, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot with the SJW bullshit, but yes, but I'm bet you they've learned from that because all these have they all these companies and let me tell you, some listeners, all these companies that they you know that they, they tout out, you know, because I'm a firm believer that companies don't have morals; they'll just do whatever they think is popular at the time. Yes. So, anyways, what were you saying? I was saying, can can Kathleen Kennedy look at me in my eye and promise me that the next trilogy she does or the next one that they do, which isn't going to come for a few years, apparently, is going to be something that is way better structured and way betterly and, and way, you know, way more respectable at first than what they initially gave us. Can they promise us that they can do that for three movies instead of being like, hey, here's something, and then, oh, we dropped the ball, and then, but wait, we're sorry, here you go. Can she promise me that, though? Can she look me in the eye? Because she straight up lied to George. She said, we totally understand how important the legacy is. You know what I'm saying? And then you, you dropped the ball with the, you know, but you tried, though with the sequels. I give them that for, for passing it up. I, that's the only thing I have to end up coming back to is them fixing that. Like, I can't take that away from them. And majority of the time, if I'm not even, I don't even, I haven't, I can tell you this, Evan, majority of the Star Wars that I've watched since 2015 has had nothing to do with the sequel trilogy. It's all been Clone Wars, uh, the Star Wars comic books, and the Star Wars novels. That's it. That <laughs> This had nothing, had nothing to do with the sequels. And even though you didn't like the sequels, you can still thank Disney. Yeah, I can still thank Disney. I'll be like, appreciate you. Thank the Vader comics. 
Oh yeah, Ooh. I've got it. I've got uh, I've got the Vader comics, and uh, they're awesome. And there there's some stuff. There's stuff in there that's like that shows me Disney has that capability to cross some lines. Yeah. So I mean, and I'll say this right now. I mean, Warner Brothers, you've shown me promise, but. I still don't have the level of trust for you with a franchise that I do with Disney. I, right. I trust Disney way more to run a successful franchise than I do Warner Brothers. And I don't think I have to do much explaining on why I feel that way. I, no. I think anybody with two eyeballs in their head who's been watching movies since 2008 know which company is better at help handling a franchise yeah and so I, Wonder, go ahead. I mean has every mcu movie been perfect no they've had some they've had some moments they've had movies that are better than others there's films that some people don't like uh but i mean overall they ain't never sunk to suicide squad bad they've never sunk to Justice League bad. Not even close. And, he, and even if, like, you know, even though I put Thor Ragnarok on, on my list of, like, worst superhero movies ever, that's just my opinion. At least if I didn't like that movie, my viewpoint on that did not, on a blog, my viewpoint on that on a blog did not stop Disney from keep pushing forward with the vision and continuing to do what they did. And what did they do? They rebounded in the next one. Infinity War was bloody awesome. Thor was bloody respected in that one. You know what I'm saying? Hulk, eh. but Thor, that Thor's the main, like, come on. They did that. You know what I'm saying? In game. I enjoyed Thor in in game too. You know what I'm saying? So even if I didn't like Thor Ragnarok, and I think it's a piping hot pile of trash. You know, you and me will have to watch that movie together, and you've got to explain to me what you hate about that movie so much because I don't see it. I know I, it's You'll, it's a lot. I have to I have to rewatch it and take a look at it. I just couldn't take it seriously. Well, I mean, sure, it's definitely one of the more lighter tone MCU films, but damn, I mean, Thor running out, getting his powers back, fighting the Led Zeppelin. I mean, come on, come on. That was all. That was an awesome scene. I'm not going to deny that. It's when the guy uh, with the shoulder pad pops out with two M16 and starts blazing off like he's about to go off. I'm like, dude, get out of here, bro. You're an Asgard. Scene and you're not. you're gonna put it on the level of Justice League. Oh no, there's so many bad scenes that I consider in Thor right. I will I'll have to go back and that, and rewatch because I only watched the movie one time and I was like, Jesus. That make it comparable to Justice League? No, like I said, it's on my list of worst superhero movies ever. I didn't say it was the worst superhero movie ever. <laughs> Don't get that hey, there's a difference between having a bad superhero movie and then just being like, oh, this is the worst ever. Unwatchable. <laughs> huh? Unwatchable. Unwatchable. See, and that, Downright. And that's the yeah. thing about MCU films that's impressed me is that all of the acting performances, because that's what I come down to is acting. 
And even the acting in Thor Ragnarok was great. You know, you might say it was goofy or maybe the story was off, but the actors are all phenomenal, perfectly cast. Um, I can't think of a single miscast in the MCU. Whereas in films like Suicide Squad, I mean, damn, even the acting's terrible. And it's like, God, like the lines are cringe. And, you know, you've got, you know, Jared Leto. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, God. And then he hit. But in, ret- in, but, but in retrospect, though. It's still terrible. Has that. Yes. I mean, <laughs> of course. But I'm like, did. Thank God that it hasn't, like, hurt Jared Leto's career. Jared Leto's like, I'm moving on. I'm doing Morbius. I got... Jared um, Leto. Just... Let, let me say that Jared Leto's an amazing actor. He is. He's amazing. He earned that Oscar in Dallas Buyers Club. He's amazing. It was just that film. They put him in a terrible... He was a victim. Yeah. He, I, I thought he was a whole now, victim. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of mismanaging franchises, I am sort of scared for, um, I'm sort of scared for the Matrix, because as you know, like the Matrix is one of Warner Brothers' staple pop culture icon, iconic franchises. One of the greatest franchises of all time. All three of the movies are impeccably incredible, and have so many revelations in them on a philosophical level as well as top tier god level action scenes as well so i'm a little bit worried because they're filming the matrix four and the wachowski brothers now known as the sisters because but they're really the brothers but they're now they're sisters apparently because they had that whole thing going on respect to them whatever they want to do all that mess but um apparently they they did say in a recent interview that the matrix because everybody associates the matrix philosophy with having to do with being woke, you know, um, getting out of the cultural norms to become who you're meant to be, you know, finding out your own identity in a world where everyone's the same, you know, technology and how much control we give it artificial intelligence, things like that real issues that are awesome things to talk about deep level things to talk about. Now, the Wachowski sisters say that the Matrix in general and the story relates more to transgenderism than anything else. And I'm like... you right there and let me say this. Warner, say it. Warner Brothers enjoy having another flop. Have fun. I don't know what it's going to take for these directors to get their heads out of their asses and realize... This saying is still true. Get woke, go broke. Yeah. If you don't want to take my word for it, just ask Terminator Dark Fate. Ooh. If you don't want to take my word, ask them. Lord have mercy, that movie was... I turned it off halfway through. It was so bad. It was so bad. And then they lost the cast on it. You know? Oh, or... You can ask the all-female Ghostbusters. Ask them. Ask them. Yeah. Ask them what happens when you go broke. And then it's so funny. Leslie Jones got offended because there were talks about a new Ghostbusters film with the original cast, and she shared it all pissed off. Oh, so it's like we don't even exist. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Your film made yeah. your film made two hundred million dollars. It flopped hard. That studio yeah. lost their ass on you. So yeah, you kinda don't exist. It was a film Yeah. It's a film no one asked for, no one wanted to see, and it was all just in the name of women can do everything men can do. Yeah. Except be entertaining. I'm kidding. Yeah. I mean, how how long is it going to take people to understand that having a female character, a strong and amazing, iconic female character has nothing to do with them being a woman? How many times are we going to have to go through that, bro? Well, like, you know, look at all the amazing, you know, the, the iconic male characters. Like, take James Bond, for instance. Right. How many amazing things are we going to say before we say, and by the way, he's a guy, so that's why we like him. Right. It's What we love about James Bond isn't that he's a guy, it's that he's this person with this really calm, collected demeanor. He's the definition of swagger. He's the guy, he's class personified, but at the same yeah. time, he's also an ass kicker. Right. You know, and, and he has these amazing ahead. villains that he goes up against. So there's so many interesting things about him. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to add to that on top of that. As time has gone on, you know, I'm, I can't speak for the Sean Connery or the Roger Moore eras because that was a different time period. But I'm going to for darn sure say that as time has gone on from the bronze, not not Dalton per se, maybe Dalton, but the Brosnan era and for sure the Craig era, the Bond women have been strong and independent. You know, okay, so what? They, you know, and people's biggest gripe is that Bond is a is a sexualizer. That hasn't been the case. That has not been the case with Daniel Craig's James Bond. He's been more vulnerable than ever. And the women that get with him are already deep in the same game that he's in, life and death, international espionage, world-ending domination, the same game where anyone can get killed, including James, as we saw in Skyfall, you know, making money penny a GI and then having her transition from being that because she didn't want to be in the field anymore to the desk job made perfect sense. It was so awesome. And, you know, just awesome Bond women overall. So it's like James Bond is not the only awesome part about the James Bond franchise. You know what I'm saying? And if 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 Hollywood and if people want a, a franchise where a spy franchise where you know, it's a woman instead of a man, make one. But if you make one, don't just shit on men and be like, I don't need a man, blah, 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 blah. Because that's not, if you, that, that, those are the marks, I would say, of an instant. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I'm very yeah. sorry to cut you off, but here's a rant I have to go on with what you just said. Uh, someone's got to explain this logic to me. Or, Oh, how do I word this? The, and this is something that's been bothering the shit out of me is the way the feminists demand that you love their 
characters and then try to guilt trip you if you don't. And so I'm thinking, how can you seriously expect to shit on men the way you do and then just expect men to show up and watch your films anyway? Right. Like, who the actual fuck do you think you are? I mean, pardon my language, boys and girls, but this has been a long time coming. I mean, and, and... I mean, you can't act like men are the source yeah. of all your problems and why your films aren't enjoyable. You know, I mean, and here's here's a prime example of what I'm talking about is, yeah. uh, you know, you know, Demarcus Cousins, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't Demarcus Cousins. It was Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala made a tweet because uh, he was watching a WNBA game, uh, which makes one of us, and. Uh, he, yeah. he uh, made a comment about one of the players on the field. I forget what even team he was referencing, but he says, number nine on this yeah. team is nice. Like, talking about, like, damn, she's good. She retweeted what he said and blasts him, saying, oh, you better put some respect on my name. My name is blah. I am not number nine. I am blah, 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 whatever the hell her name was. <laughs> and I'm thinking – what the fuck is wrong with you? What is actually... Like, you're getting a shout-out from an NBA Finals MVP, which, by the way, the NBA is the only reason the WNBA exists because all the players take a small uh, cut from their pay to subsidize the failing WNBA. That's just the truth. I'm not even sorry about that. I'm not even sorry because that's how it is. That's how it is. That's why the WNBA still exists. But you're going to blast this guy for being nice to you and giving you – I mean, you would think you would want Andre Iguodala to say something about you. But now all this bitchiness, all of this, you know, we don't need men to come see our movies. Well, apparently you do because women aren't watching them because the country's 55% yeah. women and your movies are flopping anyway. Right. So apparently you're turning off everyone. But for whatever reason, they keep doing it. They keep doing it. I mean, did we learn nothing from Batwoman flopping on the CW? That failure of a show? All people had to do was watch the trailer. And whenever she hit that line about, I'm not going to let a man take credit for a woman's job. Ah, whamming. I mean, yeah. it was right then and there. I told people, yeah, this series is going to flop. It's not going to last. Yeah. I give it one season. And what do you know? The woman immediately got recast. I mean, it's not rocket science. You're not going to be able to just shit on men and think right. that men are still going to just show up and watch your movies no. anyway. It don't work that way. And by the way, I'd be saying the same thing. I, yeah. I wouldn't find a character that shits on women to be interesting. I wouldn't find a male yeah, character that's not, that's, who has to put down women man. to look powerful interesting. That's not that's not No, that's not a story that you right. or I or 90% of men would be interested in watching. So, I don't understand for the life of me why this concept right. Is so elusive to these people. I mean, someone's got to explain to me why it's so complicated to understand that you're not going to be able to insult 
an entire like group of people that go watch movies right. and then think that they're just going to show up anyway and watch it. So, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say past that, but that's just a rant I've been holding in because I, I swear, it's like I told you, man, these feminists, that they say we're strong, independent women, women yeah. but they're the absolute weakest people on the planet. They are, for all of their talk about we're so strong, we're this, we're that, they will whine yeah. and they will moan over everything. And, I, and I'm like, right. what so, the fuck? What do y'all even want at this point? No, you're good. You're good. Um, I'm about to close I'm it out. Um, Phone's on 5%. I'm about to close it. We're at the two-hour mark almost. But I'll, I'll, I'll give my closing thoughts. We can give our closing thoughts on that. You know, a strong woman or a strong man doesn't have to piss down on somebody to elevate themselves. I will gladly bow my knee at the feet of Ellen Ripley. I will gladly bow down at the feet of Ahsoka Tano. I will gladly bow down at the feet of Daenerys Targaryen, you know, and all, and I will gladly bow down my feet at the hands of Padme and, uh, and, uh, Leia Organa. You know what I'm saying? And all of the female characters that we love today, because they were amazing female characters, regardless, they didn't have to put down a man. They didn't have to put down anybody to prove they just went out there and did it. And that was that, you know what I'm saying? And they proved it from there. Those characters trailblazed the way for women to be on the mainstream and to be on the big screen and stuff like that. So if those characters that have been tried and proven in the past are no indication of how important women are, I don't know what is. You know, if, if you have to bark from the rooftops that you have, you know, all this and that just to prove something, you're not going to get very far. Just go out there and do it. And we already have strong, amazing female characters. You know, Wonder Woman, you know, um, played by Gal Gadot, Amy Adams, Lois Lane, who I think is most awesome for her investigative work in MOS and BVS and not just being some, I mean, of course she had to get, she got saved by Superman. That's always a thing, but she was the one leading the investigation to find out how Superman got framed. She was the one who was finding all the clues and then trying to let Clark know that he got set up at the Capitol. You know what I'm saying? She was the one digging for Superman. And so I'm like, of like strong female independent i'm like bro already on her own and didn't have to put down a man to do it you know and so i totally understand that man exactly i don't want to sound like i'm anti-woman right. i don't i don't want to sound like i'm anti-woman because like i said there's so many female characters we love right. and i'll throw jessica jones in there as another example that's an amazing but whenever you're a character that has to show how powerful you are by, you know, putting down, you know, another gender. That's not equal. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I'm not. No, that's special treatment. And, and you know, for me. I feel you, bro. Yeah, it's a, I'm, it's a I'm, passionate I'm subject. And we've talked about it I'm on stopping. like two or three different podcasts. But every movie that comes out from here on forward, if it has that 
kind of message in it, you know, I know it's going to take you off, but it's darn sure going to take me off and we're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, the movie loses its ass. And then ultimately, you'll have the director come out. Oh, I don't understand why it flies. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like, yeah, you do, but you don't want to say it. I feel like I feel like it's one of those things, you know, like whenever we talk about the WNBA, it's one of those things nobody right. wants to actually talk about why it is the way it is. You know, people look at the WNBA sometimes and say, why is LeBron James paid more than four entire teams? You know, is that sexism? No, that's not sexism. That's one person has sold out an arena since he was 18 years old. Never. No. I don't think there's ever been an empty seat at a LeBron James game, whether you like it or not. He is arguably the most famous athlete True. on the whole damn planet. He's one of them. Uh, you know, those of the WNBA yeah. who can't sell out in their championship game. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to get Tessa on the show, too, so so we can have a whole episode talking about what true feminism is, because this stuff they got going on today is not. Tessa is a feminist. She will tell you what true feminism and true femininity means, and I promise you, it has nothing to do with degrading another man or somebody else just to prove that you're on top. I'm going to have to get her on the show so we can break this thing down one day. That would be a great oh, idea because I've always hey. wondered why Tessa isn't on the show. Door be like, I'm about to find out why. <laughs> but man, called. this was an amazing one, bro. This one was absolutely <laughs> fun, bro. But um, yeah, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for everyone who tuned in on IG Live, and thanks to everyone who's going to tune in later. This is J House Podcast Radio. You guys have a blessed Wednesday. Peace. Thank, Thank you for, you for joining. joining. This, this has been, been another, another edition of J House Radio. Radio.